If you're looking for a message outline, you won't find it. That little sheet of paper that typically has my three or four or five point message. The reason I don't have it in there today is because today's message is pointless. Well, not really, but it doesn't have any specific points, although you're welcome to take down notes anywhere you want. I want to begin today by telling you a story. It's a story about a little guy named Tommy. Tommy was five years old. And like most little five-year-old boys, he liked to run and jump and play. Like most five-year-old boys, he liked to get himself uh, dirty, especially in mud puddles after a nice rain. Tommy was kind of a cute kid with kind of longish, uh, dark hair. He had two dimples, and when he smiled, and they really kind of made him look like an angel when he smiled. But Tommy really never smiled much because uh, he was lonely. Tommy lived in an orphanage because Tommy's parents had been killed by an intruder. And while the people in the orphanage loved Tommy very, very much, Tommy really wanted somebody who would love him and just him only. And one day, while Tommy was outside playing dodgeball, which he was very good at, in a courthouse down the street, several blocks from the orphanage, court was in session. Tommy didn't know anything about what was going on in the court that day. But Judge Johnson was holding court that day, and Judge Johnson was the kind of guy who liked to make people happy. And in today's court, the judge was deciding whether some people who had seen Tommy at the orphanage could adopt him as their very own child. The judge was making a decision that would affect Tommy's whole life, and Tommy was not the least bit aware of what was going on. And after hearing the testimony, Judge Johnson decided that Tommy could have these people, this couple, as his parents. And the judge decided that these people had a lot of love in their hearts and that they would share that love with Tommy and they would be excellent parents who would love him. Now, can you begin to imagine how excited Tommy will be when these people come to the orphanage and tell him that they're going to be his new mom and his new dad. Tommy would no longer be lonely. He would have parents who would take care of him. He'd have parents who would love him. And he would have people that he could love as well. See, the judge made a decision that affected Tommy forever. Now, what does that story have to do with Christmas? Well, it's simply this. God also made a decision that affected our lives in the same kind of way as Judge Johnson. A long time ago, while we didn't even know what was going on, much like Tommy didn't know what was going on, God made a decision that we celebrated on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It is that decision that the whole world celebrates during this Christmas season. It is that decision that creates all the excitement, all the joy, and all the happiness at this time of year. God made a decision that affects our lives, a decision that was made without our consent or our knowledge, without our approval. Nobody, by the way, nobody asked me what I thought about God's decision, and I seriously doubt he asked any one of you either. A decision was made that was going to affect our lives 
right now and for the rest of eternity. God made a decision out of love for you and out of love for me to come to earth, to walk among us, to be one of us, so that we could see in a very real way how very much God loves us. See, God made that decision without consulting us, without asking our permission, without our really having anything to do with this matter. God wanted our salvation to be in His hands and not in our hands. God decided that sending His Son Jesus to earth, having Him walk among us, to live with us, then die for our sins and then rise again on the third day would be the only way that God the Father could ever be reconciled with the children of his creation. So way before this world began, God decided to do this for us. See, God decided that because he is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of compassion. God made this decision because he knew that we could not, by our own merits or by our own good works, ever do anything to make ourselves worthy again in the sight of God our Father. God knew that we could never, ever live up to the perfection that he desires. So he decided that he would live up to that expectation himself and then punish himself for our sins and then tell us that simply by believing in what he has done for us, we could be made right with him. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the Christmas season. And this is the decision that we celebrate every Christmas. So this morning, I have some really good news for you, but I think I got some bad news for you, too. The good news I have for you is this. I want you all to do something for me. Everybody take a deep breath and hold it. Now let it out and relax. Christmas is over. That's the good news. The cookies have been baked. The tree's all decorated. The presents are all unwrapped. The holiday is finished, and other than CN, the relatives are gone. The bad news, however, and there's always a little bad news, the bad news is this, the cleanup job remains. The Christmas decorations still have to be put away. The tree still needs to be undecorated and taken apart and put in the box or thrown out to the curbside. There may be some big piles of wrapping paper that still need to go out to the trash, and there are those added Christmas pounds that need to be lost. The bad news continues when you think of the gifts that need to be returned, that you couldn't really figure out what they were thinking when they bought that with you in mind. Or it just didn't fit. You know, buying you something three sizes too small, was that meant to be... A joke or what? Or maybe it was the wrong color. Whoever thought you looked good in yellow? And then bad news, more bad news comes when you find out that even though you were trying very hard to be careful, you somehow overspent this Christmas, and now you're wondering how you can ever begin to pay for all that good news that everybody got on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Well, these leftovers are all part of the holiday. These leftovers are all part of the Christmas season. They're also part of our celebration. Somehow, the leftovers seem to be an anticlimax to our Christmas celebration. 
I mean, somehow things like losing weight or taking things back or putting things away don't seem to fit right with that Christmas spirit. Somehow leftovers just don't feel right. They just don't glitter as much with excitement and wonder. And believe it or not, the stuff you thought tasted so good on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, leftovers just don't taste that good anymore. But I would venture to say this morning, friends, that these leftovers do go hand in hand with the Christmas spirit. These leftovers have as much to do with Christmas as the event itself because Christmas does not end on December 25th. What happened at Christmas needs to live on and on and on, really to find its fulfillment on Easter Sunday, and then Easter never ends. It finds its beginning again at Christmas time. See, Christmas needs to live in our memories. It lives in our leftovers. It lives as we see anew what this Christ child really means to us. The Christmas spirit, this birth of Jesus, uh, lived on in the so-called leftovers of society that Jimmy read to us before. These kind of leftovers called Simeon and Anna. I mean, Christmas did not end with the day being over, but Christmas and what it truly means lives on each and every day. Now, the Christmas spirit was revealed, first of all, to these two old Christmas leftovers, Anna and Simeon. One of my favorite authors, his name is John Brockoff, he wrote a book a number of years ago called Wrinkled Wrappings. I'm going to read to you from his book. He said, there are leftovers from the meal of life, or they are leftovers from the meal of life. By their wrinkled, shriveled bodies, they appear as wrinkled wrappings. But leftovers can be good and delicious as the main meal. This was the case with the couple in wrinkled wrappings. They saw something 40 days after Christmas that nobody up to that time had seen. The shepherds, the religious ruler who heard rumors of his birth, his father and mother all didn't really understand or see in this child the image of God. The only ones who recognized the Messiah in the man-child, God and Jesus, were two aged, wrinkle-wrapped, leftover people, Simeon and Anna. That's kind of a neat word, isn't it, for those of us who've reached Medicare? <laughs> Wrinkle-wrapped? <laughs> See, Simeon and Anna saw and believed. Simeon and Anna saw and they worshipped. Simeon and Anna saw and lived in that grace that they experienced from that child. They saw and continued to serve God faithfully through other people. These leftovers, these wrinkle-wrapped people, this wrinkle-wrapped man and woman, are a wonderful example for us how God continues to reveal himself to the leftovers, to the wrinkle-wrapped people of society. See, God doesn't always come and reveal himself to the powerful or to the healthy, the wealthy, and the wise. He comes and he reveals himself to the so-called leftovers, people that society sometimes disregards as being weak or worthless, but God sees them as holy and worth loving. God came as a child into this world to be with all of society, even the so-called leftovers. Friends, one thing I know is that at Christmas, God did not send us another book to put on our shelves. He did not send us a picture of himself. 
He did not send some cute little song. He did not send a cute little idea. He didn't drop a nice little sermon on the desk of every pastor around this world. He didn't just bring a good friend into your life. Instead, on Christmas, God came himself. He gave us his presence more than he ever gave us any explanation. He gave us his own life, he gave us his own death, and he gave us his own resurrection. He became real for us. One night there was a little voice that was heard from the bedroom down the hallway. The little voice said, Daddy, I'm scared. The response came back quick. Honey, don't be afraid. Daddy's right across the hall. And after a brief pause, the voice was heard again. Daddy, I'm still scared. Again, there was a response. You don't need to be afraid. God is watching over you. This time, the pause was much longer. But then that little voice came back and said, Daddy, I want somebody with skin on. (laughs) Well, friends, Jesus is God with skin on. That's who he is. Jesus is God with skin on. God came to earth in human flesh. It's called the incarnation. He came as a child born in a manger so that we would know that he understood the human predicament of sin. He came with skin on so that he could take away our sins and give us eternal life. God came to earth for the leftovers, for the wrinkle-wrapped, for anybody who acknowledged that they cannot handle life all by themselves. God came to earth, especially today, for those people, maybe who have not measured up by earthly standards. Jesus came for the poor and the sick and the chronically ill and the despised and the broken, those people who experience broken relationships, the handicapped, the list could go on and on. But even more than that, Jesus comes to those people who are willing to humble themselves at the foot of the cradle and at the foot of the cross who would willingly admit that they cannot live life all by themselves. He comes to make winners out of losers, or as my grandson one time told me, winners out of whiners. God does the work, not us. And when God does the work in our life, he does it on his own timetable, he does it his own way, and he uses his own means and methods. I mean, who would have thought that an old dying priest by the name of Simeon would be the one to bless that baby and to declare to everybody who heard that this baby would be the light to lighten the Gentiles. Simeon said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Simeon declared the mission and the ministry of Jesus to his followers. What he said that day was, friends, if you're listening, let me tell you what this little baby is about to do. Now, it would take about 33 years for that mission to really come in earnest to the Gentiles. And quite honestly, that mission is still not complete. God's timetable is not for human souls or minds to understand or predict. It still behooves us to share the good news of Jesus. 
with the Gentiles around us. Personally, during this Christmas season, I'm glad that throughout the Bible, God has always seen past the negatives to the positives. Because God knows how many negatives there were in my life growing up. I'm glad that throughout the Bible, God has always seen past the wrinkles, the leftovers, and that he sees in every one of us a holiness and a dignity that other people fail to see. Yes, I'm thankful uh, that God has seen people like Simeon and Anna, the wrinkle wrap of this world, and seen in them that holiness, righteousness, and faith and dignity. I'm so very happy that God's eyesight is better than mine because he sees the worth of the individual. And so on this first Sunday after Christmas, we thank him because when he looks at us through his eyes, he doesn't see the wrinkle wrapping. He sees nothing but beautiful packages. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. You became one of us. You came as one with skin on. Even as Simeon would say, Lord, we're ready to depart in peace because we have seen you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.